everyone, Alec from Gravity Bros here. Unfortunately, my microphone did not pick up on this recording properly, and as a result, uh, some of the audio on my end sounds a little bit tinny, but we had an amazing discussion. This was one of my favorite episodes we recorded, and I hope you enjoy it anyway. Thanks, and we'll see you soon. Gravity Falls creeped into the non-animated world. This is the Gravity Bros Podcast. I'm Alec. This is my brother Lou. And we're here for maybe one of the best episodes of Gravity Falls. Can I just start out that way? I think that is an excessively fair statement to say. I wrote that down multiple times during this session that this very well could be my actual favorite episode of the show. Same. Uh, that's definitely something that crossed my mind, and we will definitely get into it. From the moment I saw the title, Northwest Mansion Mystery, I was flooded with excitement from the very first time I watched this episode. Remembering yeah. the ghost, the story, the plot that we're getting, and uh, it did not disappoint me on the rewatch. Not at all. Even right off the bat, we start this episode with a cold open, and we've got ourselves... That, like, super spooky mansion on the hill imagery right off the bat. Yeah. Like, classic house on Haunted Hill. You got lightning. They're talking about the party they're going to run for all the rich people. I'm like, oh, you're just giving me what I want today, aren't you? Yeah, so they're talking about this party, and they've got their guest list, right? And we see that this is Pacific and Northwest's parents. I'll just say Mr. and Mrs. Northwest. Uh, and Pacific as well says uh, to her husband, Wow, honey, there's so much diversity on this list. And he replies, yes, millionaires and billionaires. Yeah. Uh, great way to paint the picture of who these people are as if we didn't already know. Yeah, totally, totally. And just a little note on all of the sound effects that are going on during this scene, because we spend most of the time just focusing on Pacifica interacting with her family. But throughout the entire scene, we get like nothing but like ominous wind super spooky low-tone music and lightning and thunder and it creates such an ambiance despite the fact that we're pretty much just hearing what the plot's going to be right and i'll say this ahead of time that this ambiance successfully creates this tone which carries all through the episode and does not stop totally. uh and uh yeah I, I i love it we get pacific and northwest herself walking in and she actually seems really excited about the dress she has on but her mom says Honey, the sea, like, the theme is sea foam green, not lake foam green. Yeah, and that was clearly a lake tone. Uh, obviously. Yeah. Almost gobblewonkerish. Of course. I don't know what she was thinking. It had to be much more aquamarine. Of course. And Pacifica sadly starts to walk away. And we see all of the silverware in the room begin to float into the air. And the, I don't know if plates count as silverware. Probably not. What would that be? Dishware? Is it silver? Does it count? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> the plates and the silverware uh, float into the air, and there appears to be a ghost as the husband, Mr. Northwest, says, it's happening. So clearly, this is the first hint that he does sort of know what's going on. Yeah, uh, I, I wrote that too, and also he says, objects obey me, and that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Of course he thinks that's gonna work. I um, know, right? That was like that's a, that was a silly line, but it hit. <laughs> it did, and he needs or he knows they need a ghostbuster, someone to handle this. And he sees a picture of Dipper Pines in the newspaper, defeating some kind of bat creature. Which 
I didn't okay. remember that Dipper ended up in the newspaper, which is probably a dream of his. I would just like to point out how actually, like, I, I actually put a huge asterisk by this. I'm like, we need to take a minute to talk about this. Because I think that this either doesn't make sense or makes the Society of the Blind Eye episode mean a lot more. And let me explain. Okay. We've definitely always been told... What was the whole episode about the Gobblewonker about? Uh, Dipper trying to get in the newspaper by taking a picture of the Gobblewonker and then feeling at the end of the episode like he's a failure. And, and like he'll he was... never be able to convince the town that these things are real. Yeah. Here we are, front page news... Rich guy's got it in his mansion. The cops are even in the front page of the news article, hugging each other, which is a great touch. Yeah. And the headline is, Mystery Solver Catches Vampire Bat. Okay, I'm sorry. I have so many questions about this because, A, how come Dipper doesn't just show this to Grunkle Stan and be like, hey, A, number one. Number two, I, at first I was like, Okay, is this all just, like, is this a mistake, right? Is this not, was this news article, like, just something to get out exposition and they didn't actually think about how it doesn't make sense for the structure of how they've done things? But then I realized the reason that nobody used to know about the weird stuff going on was because of the Society of the Blind Eye Erasing Memories. So the fact that they actually did this only a couple episodes after the Society of the Blind Eye had been stopped by Dipper actually might make it make sense that this is the first time that this has ever happened. Okay, that's fascinating. And you may be right. I wonder, because it just said vampire bat, right? Yeah. It, did, did the imagery from your recollection look like an extra big vampire bat or something that was extra yeah. mysterious? Okay. It was like a huge bat, like the size of like bigger than a person. For sure. Okay, I feel like that's enough to where we can get around the fact that he didn't tell Stan. Because Stan could still say, okay, it was just a huge vampire bat. That's fine. Uh, You're right. That, that, still... does, that does fill the Stan. You're right, I agree with that. And still, weird enough... Oh, wow! Okay, I'm literally reading this in the, in the wiki. You called this to the T. No way! Since the defeat of the Blind, so blind Eye Society and Society of the Blind Eye, the citizens of Gravity Falls finally begin to notice the paranormal activity in their town as Dipper's defeat of the giant vampire bat makes headlines of the Gravity Falls gossiper. Uh, well done! Uh, wow! Least, yeah, that theory is uh, out there. That's an amazing observation. Nice. I went right I to the wiki because I wondered about what it looks like. And uh, yeah, that checks out. So, okay, L look at us. Uh, Go figure. Expl explaining the context here. Amazing. Wow, how clever of the of the creators to make such a conscious change in how the town is perceiving everything. That's really cool. And, and if I could also comment on the continuity, I also feel like the way that they've played season two is very intelligent in terms of the progressive order of how we're supposed to get where we're about to get. Yeah. Um, we have a bunch of these plot lines that are sort of getting to a really comfortable point right before we're going to have a very big reveal coming soon. Not to spoil the people who are listening along. Totally. Uh, so with all of that said, uh, Mr. Northwest consults his daughter to go uh, get the help of Dipper to help them get rid of this ghost. And you may have noticed, uh, I think this happened once before, that the theme song was a quicker version of the theme song. Okay, I'm glad you noticed that, because I, I was like, wait, was I just not paying attention for Because usually when the theme song happens, that's when I, like, stop taking notes for a quick minute and kind of let it play and do another thing and, you know, 
And and then I noticed it was faster and it took my attention away. And then the whispering sounded really different. Okay. Actually, I did not notice the whispering, but there could be something there too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whenever this happens, whenever we get this accelerated theme song, that's a really, really good tell that we have a bunch of content that is going to be important in this episode because they they were willing to cut the theme song short in order to fit it all in. That's uh, a good point. As for the whispers, don't know. Maybe something that people in the Discord can tell us if you happen to notice as well. Well, I know that the whisp- there's a whisper at the end of every theme song, and if you if you reverse it, it's always got a secret message in it. Yeah. And this one just sounded really, really, really different to me. I'm kind of tempted to actually look it up. Yeah, and I will say that the whisper thing is not something that we've touched on a whole lot on this show. I usually talk about what the ciphers come out as, but yeah. I'm very unfamiliar with that whole concept. Oops, hold on, let me look it up. Alright, yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, worth checking. I don't know if there's a comprehensive list of all of the backwards whispers or anything like that, but while you're looking that up, uh, I'm going to go ahead and talk about uh, what starts to happen after the song. So we get now a flash to Dipper. He is watching a 48-hour marathon of ghost harassers on the Used to Be History channel, which is hysterical. That's so uh, funny. I agree. Because that is, in fact, what our current history channel is. It is shows exactly like this. Uh, ghost Adventures, I think, is on the Travel channel, though. Uh, it's Ancient Aliens and all of the other weird shows that end up on History Channel. But anyway, breaking news comes up, interrupts the program. Uh, Grenda, Candy, and Mabel are also there. Uh, so they hop on up to look at the breaking news, and we do see Toby Determined of, I believe, the Gravity Falls Gossiper, uh, reporting that the Northwest family is holding a party with all the poor people outside dreaming of going in and not being able to, because it is, in fact, for uh, the rich and highly esteemed members of society. Yes. I remember we hearing all... this, and I was just like, yeah, that makes sense. Is this a thing? A... Do we have one of these? I'm like... Oh, yeah, this is the Academy Awards. Or the Met Gala. I don't even know what that is. I'm too poor for that. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, it's very similar to what this is. Uh, not okay. exactly a house party, but uh, that, that type of thing was just a big party where a bunch of important people show up. And the poor people look at it in the same way that Candy, Greta, and Mabel do in this situation. They, they look at it almost like, wow, that's amazing. I wish I was there. Almost the way that people look at royalty, I think, in the UK, some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it is interesting, right, that Dipper reminds everybody, you know, Pacifica's the worst. And they don't care. It's like they see this ideal version of what wealth looks like, and they want in on it, regardless of any kind of pitfalls or mean-spiritedness might come from it. And it's interesting because uh, Dipper says, oh yeah, I'd tell her that she's the worst to her face. Knock on the door. Pacifica's here. You're the worst. Closes the door. It slams it! I, I cackled. I actually cackled. I thought yeah. that was so, so, so very funny. Dip, I, I was not expecting it, actually. I thought Dipper was going to be like, oh, Pacifica, and he was going to look like uh, he wasn't going to follow through on that. Nope. Absolutely 100% followed through on it. I was like, good job, Dipper. Put your money where your mouth is. Uh, and she knocks again. Says... Listen, something is haunting Northwest Manor. The party's going to be ruined if you don't help. Please, uh, just name your price. And if I could just say, the name your price, th they severely undervalue what this is potentially worth, right? Because Mabel, Grendy, and Candy, uh, 
Did I say Grendy? Mabel, <laughs> Candy, Grenda. Got it. That's uh, tough, actually. That's a tongue twister. I'll give it to you. <laughs> it kind of is. Uh, they're like, please, we want to go to the party so bad. So Dipper basically agrees, okay, if you can give us three tickets to this party, then I'll do it. And the Pacific is like, oh my gosh, like you're really putting me out here. You just said that you were willing to do anything. This is only three tickets to a party. He could have asked for like a million dollars. Maybe she would have been quicker to give that away. I don't know. Actually, I kind of wrote the exact same thing. I was like, dude, you just got scammed. She said, name your price. Yeah. You could have just done so many more things than gone to a silly party. Like, you could have gotten lifetime passes for the party. You just went yeah. once. You didn't think this through for five seconds. You could have gotten so much out of her. Yeah, I think it's a test to his character that he didn't think about doing that, to be honest. I do. I do think that. Yeah, he didn't really want anything. He was basically yeah. doing it for his sister and for no other reason. He was like, listen, yeah. I don't want any part of this, but my sister really wants this thing, so I'll help you out. Um, which I actually thought Dipper was really cool in this episode uh, through most of it. I agree. I think I he had one weak moment, which we'll we'll talk about. But overall, like... Oh, I'm interested in that. I don't know which one you're talking about, actually. Yeah, good to his sister. Um, generally really cool. Uh, very effective. Um, but anyway, uh, so this works. And we do flash forward to the mansion. Uh, Mabel, Candy, and Grenda, which I'm going to get right as often as I hope to. Uh they are in fancy outfits, but Dipper is not. He's you. You clearly get the picture. Dipper does not want to be here. He's basically being dragged into this. Um, but we do see what this inside of the mansion looks like, and they do a really good job, uh, I think, illustrating the vibes of it. There's literally a dinosaur skeleton in the lobby, as if it's some kind of museum. I saw There's... that too. Actually, I was wondering if that was the skeleton. That was the skull of the bat. Oh, I don't think so. To me. It... If there was a skull of a bat, it would have been somewhere else. This looks more like a big fish creature, like an ichthyosaurus to me. That's cool. So, yeah. Uh, we also see a Pacifica ice statue. And, as Mabel points out, a fancy man. As she just points straight at the butler's face. Uh, so, clearly this is a, a rich area. Um, it's very Citizen Kane-ish in that they have a lot of these big museum-type artifacts or... Uh, I don't know, um, pieces of wealth, I would even say, uh, that maybe have symbolic value in the sense that they show how much they're worth, but they don't have any intrinsic, like, moral value to them. And uh, that's kind of what we're getting from the house. It's just, this is a big display, like we're posturing. Uh, not just for the people that are at this party right now, but we live our life posturing. And... I do think that that's interesting because Pacifica has to grow up through that. And we get to see that explored a lot in this episode. Yeah. And I think that it actually probably does speak to the complexity of living a lifestyle like that, that a lot of people probably don't care to think about because it's so yeah. easy to otherize rich people. But like the amount of, the amount of having to put up with, with face is probably a very real thing. By the way, I found the whisper thing. Um, and uh, starting in season two, the backwards whisper uh, at the end of the theme song says key veganeer, veganeer. I don't know. It's a word that's in a different language, so I don't actually know how to pronounce it correctly. Oh. Um, but it's referring to the fact that the cipher is at the end of the, wait, that the cipher at the end is a veganeer, veganeer, I don't know. Oh, uh, a veneer. So it's like a type of cipher. Veneer. Sure. Yeah. A veneer yeah, cipher I... that requires a key code hidden in each episode. So in season two, it's the backwards 
thing is more just trying to further explain that there's a cipher in this. And in season one, uh, starting in, well, actually, I should say, starting in the episode Double Dipper, the message, switch A with Z in a statement to the at-bash cipher, and then starting in Bottomless Pit, the whisper changes to 26 letters, a reference to the A17Z26 style substitution cryptogram, which uses numbers to stand for letters of the alphabet. Great. Okay, no, this is amazing. So we don't talk about this much. We just explain what the final cipher translates to. But I think that this is worthy of a little bit of further explanation, that all of these puzzles at the end are not done the same way, right? Ciphers exist with different, or I guess cryptograms in general, need yeah. to be deciphered with different types of styles. So the purpose of these whispers, I guess, is to explain to the audience, here's what cipher you're supposed to use and able to solve it, which adds a whole extra layer of instructional complexity to what goes Absolutely. on here. So if you don't think that Gravity Falls is one of the smartest cartoons and thoughtful cartoons that's been made, this proves it. Yeah, I know, right? This is insane. Yeah, and again, they, they've got the backwards whisper at the end of every theme song kind of leading you into the thing. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, back to the party. Uh, Pacifica does go ahead and introduce Dipper to her dad. And her dad is like, oh, I'm so happy you're here. You're going to help us get rid of this ghost. Uh, Pacifica, is that really what he's wearing? And uh, we get a flash over to another room, and he's forced to basically put on this tuxedo uh, to blend into the party. I'd also like to point out that this North Northwest gave Dipper less than an hour to get this taken care of. He's like, party guests are going to be here an hour. Can you wrap it up by then? I'm like, bro, you didn't really prepare very much. You don't seem very concerned about this happening. That's true. I think it's that overconfident wealth, which we also get throughout the episode, right? Yeah, he just right. believes everything will work out because he has money. That's true. You're totally right. And he's almost not wrong he's pretty much not it does in a way work out but not without a big big hurdle well maybe not it doesn't work out the way he wants though so that's nice well, well that's true well we'll get into it there's more to explore we will so but now uh, we get we introduced do... to our side plot uh, which would be the the ladies checking out the boys at the party that is true uh, there is a guest list in a book with all the pictures of the people who are going to be there. And Mabel, Candy, and Grenda, they open it up and they see this boy. Uh, I, his name's actually uh, intentionally funny. Marius von Fundshauser. Oh. Meant to say fundraiser. Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought like funhouse, fundraiser. That's funny too. Yeah, that, that's my understanding of how it looks. Um, and he is a baron from Austria. All of them are immediately in love. Grenda thinks, nah, he's out of their league. But Mabel says, that's okay. There's so many other boys coming. We don't need to waste time on Marius. And they make a pact. Yeah, which, you know, they all nervously laugh about the pact because they're like, we won't, we won't, we won't flirt with this guy at all. Right, ladies? Yeah, definitely not. Mm -hmm. We know where this is going. And back... With Dipper and Pacifica. Uh, this is where the episode really... It already was good, but now it's really starting to pick up. They walk into this really dark and creepy room where the haunting has been happening. And initially, Dipper's actually feeling pretty good. He's like, okay, uh, this is clearly haunted, but ghosts come in different categories. He opens up Journal 3. Uh, and 10 is a terrifying Grim Reaper on the page. And 1 looks kind of like a baby Casper. 
And yeah, it does. He's totally expecting this to just be a one. And yeah. uh, he's you like know, moving silverware, moving dishes. That's level one. Shouldn't take me too long. Yeah, just gotta splash some anointed water on this thing and we're good. Uh, but he's got this little electromagnetic ghost tracker that we might see in Ghost Hunters or one of those yeah. uh, fun ghost hunting shows, right? You know, I-, I got the vibe that this was very, like, in- inspired by not just Ghostbusters, but Ghost Hunters as well. Just a little bit. Definitely. Uh, so this device starts resonating with a big picture of a lumberjack on the wall. And in just a second, I think this is what happened. And tell me if you saw it differently. He looks again and the ghost is gone or the figure is gone. And it appears as though it has left the picture frame. Is that what you saw? I believe so. Okay. Uh, and we get blood, actual red blood starting to fall from the mouth of one of the bear's heads that are in the wall of the room. Okay, so yeah, just for context, for if you don't remember, I haven't seen this scene. This room is filled with, like, taxidermied animal heads all over the walls. And having been in a Pacific Northwest house like that, I can attest that this is a real thing that does happen. And that having watched this episode, man, one time when, for New Year's, I ended up staying with a friend's boyfriend, who they weren't even together that long. It was just, like, practically a stranger, right? And we yeah. went to this, like this like big ass cabin out in uh central oregon and man i never seen so many taxidermied animals of different species in my whole life i was surrounded in every single even in the bathroom there were taxidermied houses over the toilet or taxidermied animals it was disgusting and i couldn't help but think about this scene and be like yeah we're all gonna die tonight this is a horror movie (laughs) wow well actually it's funny you've told me this story before and it goes deeper than that it 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 did remind me of this as well yeah Um, yeah well like this room is genuinely scary these animal heads start chanting ancient sins ancient sins i literally i am i'm everybody i write my notes with a pen and i wrote in all caps for the next like three minutes just and cursing a bunch too like holy bleep holy bleep this is easily the scariest scene in the whole show right this is horrifying well, okay. I think in terms of just uh, pure creep factor, yes. I think that we've had scarier imagery. Really? Um, probably, because we had the one uh, Mothman-looking uh, creature that pretended to be the author a few episodes back, and there was a really frightening sequence yeah, in that episode that like, I think maybe tops this. Decided to be... I know the one you're talking about. That was pretty creepy. I don't know. This one's really up there for me. This is some, like some of the most demonic stuff i've ever seen and yeah and and as soon as all of this starts happening dipper just goes oh my god it's a category 10 yes and actually let's put a pin in that for a second because even though i normally save journal three toward the end i actually think now would be a good time to talk about the different categories Um, i'm not going to get into detail with them but i think just so that people know what the different categories are would be interesting so category one i told you it looks like a baby casper and it just says eh uh, category two, pranksters. They look like a couple of, uh, West Side Story thugs that, uh, ah. would knock you up on a, uh, wait, knock you up's the wrong way of saying that. Uh, <laughs> they would, uh, knock you around on a Brooklyn street and maybe take your wallet. Um, they remind me of, like, the, the big brother bully ghosts in Casper. Yeah, that, that's, that's an interesting way. They've got, like, uh, a tough person jacket and like a little scottish hat uh so yeah they've got that vibe category three we have the gluttons um 
they're able to generate an incredible amount of body odor, and they take in a lot of food. I- I've never heard of a ghost like this. I don't really love oh. that one. No, maybe that's the one I'm thinking of as the Casper one. Because think about, remember those Casper ghosts that would just be gross and smell bad? Okay, that actually is true. And it doesn't look like them, but it's more like uh, Boo from Mario with a big mouth and a super gross tongue eating burgers. Yummy. Uh, Then we've got category four, which is paintings, haunted paintings. And... There's something interesting about this, because later in the journal, Dipper speculates that the ghost here is beyond the category 10. That the author was wrong, it goes beyond 10. But haunted paintings are also in here, uh, as a four. I mean, maybe that's, like, Dipper's note, like, maybe he's like, ah, these levels don't exactly work. Like, you could have a category 10 that comes out of a painting. Ah, okay, I'm going to chalk it up to to be what that is. That would make sense. Because, yeah, that, that, that does make sense that... You know, oh man, it's kind of interesting to think that this is, like, preliminary research and that some of this could be, like, even in the canon of the own series, some of this could be inaccurate preliminary research that Dipper has to improve upon. Yeah, that's true. And it does have, like, the chant to dispel ghosts in here. Uh, Also explains how ghosts transit to a mirror, which we'll get into that in the episode. Homies listening, uh, I'm curious. Let us know in the Discord if you're in there. Um... It, this makes me think about, like, Gravity Falls is one of those shows that I think is so good that I almost never want to see it touched again. Yeah. Can you imagine a season where, like, Dipper and Mabel are, like, you know, mystery fighting adults? Oh, that could be really cool. There, There's potential. I'm not, I'm not, I don't like sequels, but there is potential for a new interesting concept with that. That's all I'm saying. I don't think it would ever happen without Alex Hirsch's blessing, but I can see, like, the generation of kids who grew up with Gravity Falls. I feel like 20 years is about when they like to reboot stuff after its yeah. original run. Yeah, Maybe 20 they don't to 30 do years. Yeah, I, I could be here as an old adult to see Gravity Falls uh, get redone in that way, and I might not be mad about it. Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, everyone, we got the new Adventure Time reboot kind of coming soon so we'll see that's true i mean i guess the adventure time creators want to do it though isn't that the difference like maybe gravity falls could get made if alex Hirsch wanted to do it yeah i'm still scared though yeah i get that i mean they did a great job with distant lands distant lands was actually like my three most favorite shows of or one of distant lands is actually my favorite episode of any cartoon of all time wow okay we'll see uh Put the faith in the creators there. By the way, we are going to be uh, starting an Adventure Time reaction series on our YouTube channel. So, uh, yeah, if you're interested in watching Adventure Time along with us, feel free to uh, join us. Jester Bros Cartoon Theater on YouTube. I'm very excited. Yeah, he's very stoked. It's his favorite show. (laughs) Um, All right, back to the ghosts. Category five, soul suckers. Uh, They feed on the life force of their human prey. Pretty gross. Um, Category six, phantoms of pain. Uh, they dress in black leather and have some sort of painful-looking jewelry sticking out through various body parts and a bunch of tacks in their tongue and around their heads. So mm. these are more like... Um, metal musicians. <laughs> metal musicians. Or have you seen the people like on America's Got Talent or probably like on uh, at maybe some circuses or Venice Beach um, that are like... Uh, they their whole gag is that they cause pain, but it, I, I don't, it, it's like the type of people that like put oh. a tack in their skin or something like that. Oh, no, no, no. It's not about pain. Actually, I've studied this in college one time. There's a whole culture to people who do like body piercings and hang themselves from their body piercings. 
So people yeah, stuff will, like, like that. Like stick rings through their back, like do huge. It looked like stick a straight up hook in their back, like through their skin, and hang themselves from it. But I actually uh, did some research uh, in it. It God. seems really cringe, Ugh. but actually, when you hear them talk about it, it's super therapeutic and good for your body. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I'm gonna move on from that. But it, it almost looks based based on this book that the author got this wrong. That these aren't necessarily ghosts. They're just people that do stuff like that. Oh uh, my god! That's it, so it almost funny. I, it doesn't say that in here, but that's my uh, that's my guess. That's I, I like that take. That just makes it funny. <laughs> uh, category seven is the eternal key. I'm gonna read this whole one because I think this might have some lore implications. Maybe. Okay. Um. One desperate soul in each generation is transformed into the eternal key, an unhappy apparition who never knows what she's supposed to do or where she's supposed to be. This makes for a very noisy haunting with lots of complaining. There's only one thing that will end the eternal key's torment, and she has no idea what it is. Oh, and then category eight is the petrifying rock that very clearly has a keyhole on its image. Oh no, that's good. Uh, and the eternal rock... Uh, what she's supposed to do, uh, is open the petrifying rock, unleashing, oh, we have a cipher here, which I'm guessing is axolotl, um, oh, which is this, uh, grand being beyond Bill Cipher that sort of teased throughout Journal 3 and, uh, the lore of Gravity Falls as being this huge being that was never touched in the show. Yeah, axolotl. What?! Yeah, I mean, maybe we could talk more about that in a future episode, because I don't know a whole lot about it, but it would be the well, kind of thing that might be fun do you know what an axolotl is? Yeah, it's some kind of, like, mythical beast of some kind, right? No, no, not even. It's, it's like, it's a completely normal, like, amphibian creature. Oh, well, that's interesting. But you're right, I just found it. The axolotl is a powerful extra-dimensional creature whose power ranks massively above that of the Time Baby, Bill Cipher, and other powerful extra-dimensional creatures. Yeah, so that could be a fun lore exploration in a future episode, maybe. Wait. How come it's in an episode? Dipper and Mabel in the Curse of the Time Pirates. Oh, it's a video game. Okay, I see. Okay, so they touch it there. Yeah, there's all kinds of uh, expanding lore beyond the series. Like, there's some good comic books that get into a lot of stuff. Um, Wait, are you saying that this key is going to unlock the axolotl? Oh! Well, to be fair, I'm speculating that it's the axolotl based on this cipher, but I did not fact-check that whatsoever. Um, I wonder if I have time to fact-check it right now. What are your thoughts on something like the axolotl existing in the Gravity Falls universe? Oh, like, like, does, I mean, it clearly does. It's, it's written into the canon video game. Yeah, but I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Um... I'm trying to learn about like what why what like what it does you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah like if it's just a living because having power doesn't really mean anything it could just be living its life it might not really mean all that much right uh that's interesting um I think that it means, it, it could be a thing where Alex Hirsch just decided, I'm going to kind of leave this thing for people to never stop trying to figure out. I like um, that. I think that's fun. Yeah, it's, it's a fun idea. Thing. I wouldn't mind if that was actually the case. I think having a bigger, more mysterious force that's just ominously around is, is good for the Gravity Falls universe. That adds up. True. Well, uh, I'm actually having more trouble finding this translation for... Uh, 
for what this cipher is that I expected. So some people, it seems like maybe it's not even a cipher. Like other people have had a really hard time figuring out what it is. So could, there's no way this is still a mystery after the show's been around forever. So I'm going to task the Discord with trying to find out what that's about. Um, but yes, putting the key into the petrifying rock does something. Interesting that these are listed as category seven and eight ghosts. So. Oh, yeah, fun uh, fact. In the invisible ink entries in the special edition of the journal three, Ford wonders if there's an, uh, if there is a polar opposite force to Bill in the universe. And that if this is it. That's fascinating. Gosh. So, um, actually, CJ suggested the idea in the discord about a, Gravity Falls conspiracy episode. Or maybe she just explained a conspiracy and that triggered me to think, whoa, a Gravity Falls conspiracy episode would be very fun. Yeah. Um, I can see that uh, as a post-show thing. So, I don't know. Just a thing to think about. Um, Category 9 Ghost, by the way, uh, is listed as a dream hipster, which it looks like that might have been written by Mabel, but it looks oh. like Freddy Krueger with some utensils coming out of his hand. Oh, that's pretty funny. Dream hipster, and lol. And then category 10, danger. Uh, and under advice, Dipper writes, get the local rich girl to apologize to them. So Tough. in that way, he sort of implies it is a category 10. You know, I don't know exactly know where our ghost today falls into this category. Yeah, but I do point. think it's a good time to talk a little bit more about him. Because after the commercial break, after we are teased with this uh, dark and just... Uh, Oh, creepy horror sequence. Yeah, this demonic... Um, yeah, backward... Before we went on this tangent of all this cool lore, did we not forget that uh, taxidermied animals are bleeding out of their eyes and mouths right now? Yes, and it gets even weirder when we come back from the commercial break as they start chanting... Or not chanting, but they just say, Ancient blood and blackened skies, the forest dark shall once more rise. This is so creepy. This is like... The most demonic stuff. I also, the it. voice actors deliver this creepiness really well, if I could throw that in there, too. Oh, totally. Also, y'all heard Alec just said that uh, Dipper wrote advice in the Journal 3. Uh, that's because when he pulls it up for this exact moment, he goes, okay, let's look at the advice, and he takes out the black uh, black light, and it just says, uh, what is it, pray for mercy or run for that's your it. life or something? Pray for mercy, yeah. Pray for mercy. <laughs> So, and uh, the, yeah. the way we get introduced to the ghost, by the way, is one of my favorite animated sequences in the entire show. Because totally. it starts with a fiery skeleton just, like, crawling out of this uh, painting or the fireplace, one or the other. And uh, it's got an axe in its head. And it just, like, jumps out and slowly morphs into this lumberjack ghost. Yeah. And says, I smell a northwest. Yeah. And they're and, hiding under the table, Pacifica and Dipper, and they sort of uh, drag, or he's dragging an axe by them as they're hiding. It's just so super, super creepy and awesome. Yeah, they, they really pull out all of the horror movie stops for this. They're, they're making sure that you know that this is supposed to be inspired. <laughs> Definitely true. Uh, but then we get just a nice little piece of levity as Pacifica's dad welcomes guests at the front doors. He brought royalty, a local basketball star, and the 102-year-old mayor of Gravity Falls, who is being circled by vultures. Who are apparently his guests. Yeah, he's like, don't worry, they're with me. 
uh, I'd just like to point out then that that entire sequence happened in an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and by the way, there's so many things happening throughout the entirety of this episode. We're not even halfway through the episode itself yet. Or maybe, yeah, yeah, we're not even halfway. Um, and that's just, oh my gosh, there's just so much in here. Uh, so Candy is in the middle of putting fondue cheese and chocolate together when Marius von Funthauser shows up. And immediately Mabel and Candy are like, oh, I don't know if we can hold to this truce. Because um, Mabel, I think, literally just shouts, take me now. Uh, well, he says, guten tag, and she says, guten tag me now. Ah, well, g- good job, Mabel, killing it. And, and they think that Grenda can't flirt. Um, yeah, they're like, Grenda's flirting is too aggressive. We don't, we don't want her. But, but can so then Candy and Mabel make like a secret pact to flirt with him together, which I think is uncool. Just saying. Yeah. Cutting Grenda out of it. And also a little weird. Um, and that's just a little moment that we get to sort of remind everybody that a B plot is still happening. Yes. Uh, we're immediately back to Dipper and Pacifica. Uh, and they are running from this ghost, this awesome blue amazingly designed lumberjack ghost uh they're running through the garden pacifica says oh watch out for the peacocks because of course these rich people just have peacocks in their gardens classic staple and dipper finds out that haunted paintings by looking in journal three uh must be trapped in a silver mirror so he's got the best idea he's like oh look there's a silver mirror in this room up here but they have just run through the garden and Pacifica's like, oh no, I cannot track mud in that carpet. Like, that's their favorite carpet. And Dipper's like, we don't have time for this. And Dipper's like, we are about to die. And you're saying don't get mud on a carpet. Are you out of your mind? Which is very indicative of just how threatened and fearful Pacifica is of her parents oh, and the wrath. Which is really sad. One thing we forgot to mention at the very beginning of the episode is that the parents use a bell. Like, they ring a bell to control her. And the way that they animate her freezing up when they use the bell and her, like, actually responding to it like Pavlov's dog, it's, like, really cringy to watch. It's hard. Yeah. It it really makes you feel for... I mean, ever since the golf episode, they've done a better job of, uh, like, humanizing Pacific and Northwest. When, in the first season, we were just thinking of her as this spoiled rich girl and almost nothing else. Yeah. Um, And I like how they've slowly developed it to be more than that. In, in this specific case, she is, in fact, so afraid of her parents that her and Dipper sort of, like, uh, are fighting to try to go to the mirror or not and inadvertently fall through a different painting into a secret room, which yes. Pacifica doesn't even know what it is. Yeah. And I will say right then, I'm like, oh, is this when we're going to get some, like, explanation about some weird stuff? And, and then the, the thing that she's leaning on, the ghost just rises out of the canvas that's on top of it, off the cloth. And it's Ugh. so creepy! It's so creepy! Hey, can I throw this out here right now? Yeah. If I was watching Halloween episodes of Gravity Falls with my kids, I feel like I would do the Summerween because it literally is the Halloween episode. But totally. I put this in the Halloween category, too, for season oh, yeah. two. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's so spooky. You might as well. You've got, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got all the, all the ghost tropes. You got it. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. And that's part of what is fun about Gravity Falls is the creepy, creepiness and uh, episodes of that nature. But not every single one is necessarily like a Halloween vibe. This one totally is. And also the ghost episode from season one would be another good one to throw on that list if you were making a playlist. 
So, like you said, we get that amazing visual of the ghost emerging through a curtain. Uh, but Dipper, in this room, finds a silver handheld mirror. And he's like, great, this is how we can do this. Um, as the ghost says, prepare to die, Northwest. Dipper, in fact, does manage to interfere and uh, kind of save Pacifica, capture the ghost in the mirror, and the force of it knocks both him and Pacifica out the window. They roll down a hill, awkwardly hug, stop, and Pacifica offers pay to pretend him like that never happened. Another thing I would take her up on. Seriously. Uh, back at the mansion, her parents are impressed because they have now come back inside. Uh... They're like, good job, honey. You found the right man for the job. And this whole sequence, uh, Mr. Northwest snaps and the butler shakes Dipper's hand as opposed to shaking uh, his hand themselves. Yeah. And he says, we couldn't thank you enough. Okay, that's enough. Yeah. And uh, tells the butler when to stop shaking the hand. Actually, I think that uh, her mom did that. Uh, That's fair. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to take off now. Uh, Pacifica asks, oh, you're leaving already? You're at the world's best party, dummy. And yeah, I, I gotta be honest, I thought it was kind of sweet that Pacifica actually kind of wanted to hang out with him. Like, I thought that was really nice. And the way that she voice acted it and the way that they wrote it, I thought it, it felt very good. I really liked that too. And even Dipper's response is like, well, I'd love to stay, but I got a Category 10 ghost to dispose of. Uh, yeah, as he, and he sort of walks into the wall. Yeah. And uh, she kind of giggles and he walks away. I'm like, man, they did such a nice job of slowly working up to this moment where we're starting to like Pacifica a little bit and see her yeah. as working. And even a second of chemistry where even Dipper silently to himself goes, huh, you know, maybe Pacifica's not so bad. And then the ghost is all, oh, 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 oh. And he's like, all right, dog, what you got? That was a Phil- great laugh. Oh, Phil- listen. Oh, thanks. Yes, I loved that. Uh, yeah, he gives the backstory. Uh, he's like, listen, let me tell you about the Northwest. 150 years ago, they asked the lumber folk to build this mansion with the promise that they'd throw a party every year and everyone in the whole town would share the bounty. But we were lied to. They partied with the rich people, locked us and all the other town folk away. And as I was begging to get inside, I was swept away by a mudslide and an axe landed on my head. And can I just say, they like animated showing him getting stuck, like drowning with an axe flying towards his face. Well, Pacifica's ancestor just sat there and watched with a stone-cold look on his face. And I was just kind of like, Jesus Christ, this is a kid's show? That was pretty yeah. gruesome. It was pretty gruesome, uh, but it was, uh, I love to see stuff like that. Me I know too. that it's not going to be great for a three-year-old, but I don't know. I, I When I was it. nine, I would have gotten a kick out of that, honestly. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, in, in a way, it really does bring gravity to how wrong he was. And the thing that I'd like to point out and another reason why this show is built a little different is y'all know there are rich people in real life, right? This is all very analogous to real things that actually happen. Yeah, I I mean, and actually they even tease that a little bit later. Uh, oh yeah, I don't I want to get too, we'll get into too that. far ahead. I'm, I'm um, ready for that. Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely being like, I just... If you're listening to this, eat the rich. If you are the rich, give your money to people who need it more than you, you fuck. <laughs> well said. All right. So in the final breath of this uh, lumberjack dying 150 years ago, he shouted, 150 years I'll return from death, and if the gate is still closed to this town, wealthy blood will stain the ground. More blood. I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, 
Dipper realizes that the Northwest knew this haunting was coming the whole time, and they basically tricked him into helping them avoid their ghostly justice, as he says. Now, this is where Dipper starts to become my favorite character in the series. Wow! Okay, interesting. Like, this like is not where actually, I... not actually, but, like, this is when he's one of, like, he's so good here. Because, like, I've had rich friends with rich mansions. You know what I'd never do? Aggressively walk in there and say anything for any reason. <laughs> Nice. So you love that he uh, goes back in, does this. I do too, but I also think that's where his weak moment is. Actually. Really? Okay, okay. Let's get into it then. Sure. So as he's going back inside, he sees uh, Mr. Northwest offering this mayor, who's 102 years old, a chimp servant as a sign of respect. Uh, which just more more little pieces of, these people yeah. are uh, rich and, you know, unsympathetic to other people. Yeah. Um. Not to say that every rich person is, but uh, that is how they are. And I would say that once you hit a certain salary, I would maybe even make the claim that there's a chance that every rich person's like that. Fair enough. Um, Dipper bursts in, says, Northwest, you've got some explaining to do. Um, and at first, the guy's not interested. Uh, but Pacifica walks in and is like, oh, Dipper, you came back. And she's so happy. And like that's what makes this uh, a little bit gutting to me right because yeah dipper calls them out you all lied to me you made me do your dirty work um he's right and they did lie she consciously lied i just i think that he went a little bit hard at killing her spirit here because she really? did have a lot of growth i i think that coming for his for her parents totally fair but you can't loop her in and say you are as bad as your parents i i think that was a uh um step too far well, I mean, he doesn't know the context, and I guess I can agree with you in, in that regard, but, like, she, I mean, she just, like, manipulated, I mean, she, the, her parents, I mean, granted, her parents were manipulating her, which is the thing that he doesn't actually recognize yet. Yeah. But, yeah. She, so, from his perspective, she did just straight up manipulate him so that they could have their rich party and not invite poor people again. And that That's is true. Up. It That's is messed up. messed up. And, you know, I gotta be honest. I am also, I am someone who believes in civil disobedience, right? Mm -hmm. If you're the kind of person who in your regular job is asked to do something that you find immoral and you do it anyway, you just messed up the one place that you have the right and power to protest in this life. You know what I mean? Oh, so you're proud of Dipper because when he realized that that's what happened, he immediately confronted it and said, no, 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 I'm not going to be part of this. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, if you're like, let's say, because everybody is like, oh, it's just my job. Oh, it's just my job. If all of the people who said, oh, it's just my job decided not to do their job when they realized it was unethical, we wouldn't be having these many problems, would we? Oh, wow. That's fascinating. And that's why uh, I agree with Dipper. It was up to Pacifica to stand up to her parents, even though she's a cog in that machine. You know, you're a person do better <laughs> wow well and i will also say he's triggered by mr northwest saying look who you're talking to boy i'm hosting a party for the most powerful people in the world and you think they'd come if they had to rub elbows with your kind yeah like he, oh. yeah like oh and, and that sort of is what triggers him to say you know what i was right about you all, all along as he points at pacifica you're just as bad as your parents another link in the world's worst chain oh like That's those so are cutting words dude it's not jeffrey bezos come on <laughs> well let's 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 point the finger where it's due no i'm just kidding and uh pacifica tries to say no they made me do this but he storms off and on the way out they refuse to let the chimp 
Give Dipper an appetizer. Rude. Wow. So, now, this is where I'm even more impressed with Dipper, because Rage Me is like, oh, just open the ghost again and lock away. Just, just let the ghost take care of it. Oh, wow. And I'll, I'll say, I actually expected him to a little bit. And this is a moment where I think that Dipper has shown growth from season one to two, because I think season one Dipper would have just unleashed the ghost. He was like, sorry, this is your problem now. Yeah. Except, you know, he starts to... <laughs> You know, he starts talking to the ghost, and the ghost is like, Dipper, you don't like the Northwest either. Release me, and we'll get revenge. He's like, I mean, in the way that he delivers this line is so unbelievably funny to me. It's just like, I mean, I feel you, man, but, like, you seem a little unstable. Yeah. <laughs> and the ghost and is my like, sis- my sister's in there. Like- yeah. Yeah, he's like, like, I'm thinking about it, but it's probably not a good idea. You feel me? And he's like, well, very well. Before you banish me, may I gaze upon the trees one final time? And come on, Dipper. This is the <laughs> oldest trick in the book. That uh, being said, if you're about to, like, kill somebody, who are you to not give them their final wish? I guess so. So <laughs> he, he does it, and I'm still a little bit confused as to the exact reason. Maybe he's a lumberjack, so the lumber, like, releases him or something like that. I don't know if it's properly explained. Um, but it does work, and the ghost escapes. Oh, I think he just, like uses the lumber to create a source of heat i guess and then mm. heats up the mirror so will so dipper drops it and it breaks that's my guess oh he did drop it and okay that's interesting maybe that was uh that was what he was going for yeah uh, interesting but what ensues well, next is uh even more messed up that i love to talk about yeah because the ghost escapes Dipper runs back to the mansion, super afraid for Mabel, and she is involved in her own drama, of course, because now we have the Mabel Candy Greta storyline. She walks over to Marius and says, so, Australia, do you guys eat kangaroos, or are they strictly pets? And he's like, I'm from Austria. Uh, And she's like, tag out. Yeah, I'm out. Candy. Candy. I love the tiny hats you wear on your shoulders, which are like the little shoulder blades on, yeah, the shoulder I don't know, pads. shoulder pads for like rich, wealthy clothing. Yeah, um, it's, it's a military thing. So at, at that point, he kind of awkwardly walks away and Grenda sees that they were flirting without her, gets mad. And they're like, well, we're sorry. Your flirting style just comes off as a little intense. Um, and Grenda says, an interesting line. I liked Grenda here. So I shouldn't be myself just because I'm in this stupid mansion? Yeah, and it's the exact moral. That's what I like about, actually, this B-plot so much, is that, like, these characters actually are exploring the moral of, like, kind of almost what Pacifica's going through in a way. Of, like, you know, that feeling of the social pressure of, oh, well, these are rich people, so we need to act a certain way. You know? Absolutely. So that they don't judge us because their opinions matter. It's like, nah, not really. So Grenda's like, no, I'm going to show you. I'm going to flirt the way I want. Calls Marius over. Hey. Hey, you Marius. Got, yeah. You got <laughs> something on your shirt and flicks his nose in jest. Yeah. And at that moment, Marius falls in love. Yeah, pretty much. He just gets these eyes like, wow, what a woman. Yeah. Which I and, love. I love seeing alternative depictions of flirtation in relationships. Ah, me too. Uh, so that's kind of where we stop there, uh, and Mr. Northwest is back in his parties, calling it a success, uh, actually, that's right, he's even announcing to everybody 
this party's a success. <laughs> and uh, the basketball yeah. player in the group is like, I'd call it a slam dunk. He's like, okay, yeah, took it, yeah, carried away. Sure. Yeah, nice. Uh, and then the glass that he is holding to cheer breaks in his hand. And our ghost is back, will have his revenge, and immediately turns the mayor to wood. Like, literally? Like, I don't know how to explain this to people who didn't watch it, because turn them to wood doesn't sound very scary. From the feet up, it slowly starts encasing their body in wood, and you can see them start to feel the horror of what's happening, and it leaves their, like, it leaves them in a permanent scream, because it starts at their feet. Yeah, it's it's uh, scary, but don't worry, the mayor's fine, because he's like, Ah, Grim Reaper, I was wondering when you'd arrive. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, at a certain point, you gotta start asking that question and be kind of excited when you see him, right? I guess so. Uh, but everybody else is terrified. Uh, and the lumberjack ghost starts bringing taxidermy animals to life. Um, Mr. Northwest says, like, honey, we have to prepare the panic room. Um, and so this chaos is happening right when Dipper bursts through the front door. He's watching people get turned to wood, including uh, Mabel, Candy, and Brenda. And I would just and, like to point out, some, like, rich civilian, like, stretches out to Dipper and goes, Help me! As he gets turned to wood. And Dipper just goes, Yo, that is messed up! <laughs> and he is not wrong. Um... <laughs> And at that moment, I, I, at first I didn't like this, then I thought it was funny. The ghost is floating and just says, for some reason, just one way to change your fates, a Northwest must open the party gates. And everyone was like, okay, so he's just randomly shouting the rhyme that's going to solve the mystery. But as I started to realize that we get that a couple times in the episode, Dipper even makes a joke about it. I'm like, he's like now he's rhyming for some reason. Yeah, it's like, I guess I can accept this. Like, the, the writers are at least making fun of the fact that this ghost is just randomly rhyming to give away clues. Well, and also the ghost is like, he is doing this for a reason. He does want to see, you know, he does want to see the class divide shattered, you know? That's true. He's still hoping that that is what happens. Yeah, he, like, it's not a full-on revenge plot. He was like, yo, you still, he's like, you could still fix this if you want to, but I'm perfectly happy turning you all to wood. Yeah, and I know Can you're I not just say, I just gotta, I just gotta throw it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. Oh, maybe, no. maybe, just maybe, maybe we should just keep all the rich people petrified wood. That's all I'm saying. Just maybe. Oh my goodness. Maybe Dipper shouldn't have, maybe Dipper should have just gone in and got his sister and the homies out and just left everyone else in there. That's all I'm saying. Well, A, who knows whether you're going to be able to break the curse for the people you care about. And B, no, we're still going to make sure that everybody's okay. Well, and Dipper does. He does the right thing here. All I'm saying uh, is uh, a lot. that wealth would have been spread around a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it would have just gone to the next richest person in the will. No, it would have gone to the next five. It still would have split it. Okay, fair. Uh, so Dipper goes to find Pacifica. This is a mess, and she's clearly not in this room right now. And uh, he just finds her sadly sulking in the same hidden room that they were in before, sadly turning a flashlight on and off. And at first, I thought that we were going to get Pacifica saying, oh, I'm such a failure. It, you know, she, she does sort of get there eventually, but the reason she's actually sitting there sadly is because in this room, uh, she found a painted record of every horrible thing that her family has ever done. And I wrote them all down. 
Okay, I'm gonna let you go for it. I did too, but uh, I want I want the Luke, the Lou explanation. So there were five paintings. Um, one of them was a mad scientist Frankenstein-looking guy, which I assume was a reference to like actually like Frankenstein. Could be wrong, I mean, but that's pretty funny. If it's like yeah. actual Bram or not Bram Stoker, if it's actually um Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, because mm-hmm. that guy was actually not a like he ended up being a problematic person that caused a lot of problems for society um oh like in the original story like the movie does not tell the story of the book at all not even remotely yeah like like dr frankenstein so you i yeah that was the one that i had the biggest question mark about i I could not tell exactly what was going on in that the original story of dr frankenstein is that he created this thing pretty much just because he want just to see if he could it's actually i hate to say it you know jurassic park um, yes. Jurassic Park is literally Frankenstein. It's the same oh. story to a T. It's just with dinosaurs instead of a Frankenstein's monster. Fair enough. Um, I actually had another thought about this that might be totally off base, and I almost hope I'm wrong. I don't know if they would go there. That this could have been something more along the lines of, like, a person doing human experimentation during certain wars in a very unethical way. Oh, really? Okay, so there's a different painting of somebody who's literally just a war general with no other context and that's what i was getting from that is that was that no it wasn't that he was like standing on dead animals no 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 that was that was different you didn't see that there were five there was one in the bottom right corner that was a little shaded and it was just a regular war general with nothing else wow okay that's interesting it was just a decorated war general there was no other context and i'm like yeah that adds up (laughs) <laughs> oh i yeah i mean i don't necessarily want to go that far i can see that we might be missing some context to that painting if it was kind of in, oh in no i paused and looked at all of these for a minute wow okay <laughs> i mean come on if you're a general in war you had to have done something messed up right yeah maybe i mean no I, such thing that's a good war well i know but that's still one of those things where i'm like a little bit more careful about uh <laughs> making generalizations for i guess I'm just saying what the show said. That's uh, true. That is what the show said. Yeah, I'm just pointing out what Gravity Falls said. True. Uh, you know, Pacific Northwest is saying this is a record of all the horrible things that have been done, and there happens to be a picture of a war general there with no other context, which means him being the war general is the context. Whatever he did as the war general was why that picture's there, assumedly. Sure, yeah. Um, the next one was the bandit with money bags. Just kind of looks like a regular old bandit who stole from a bank, honestly. Yeah, I don't know if there's any greater context to that one, but I couldn't think of any. Um, it seemed like he stole from the poor based on the outfits from the people who were, like, shocked beneath. That was my interpretation. Yeah, maybe, like, a weird opposite of, like, uh... Like, Robin uh, Hood. Yeah, Robin Hood. Yeah. Um, and then there was one of... The one that you were thinking of, it looked like Davy Crockett standing on top of a pile of animals. Um, and the reason that's interesting is because Davy Crockett is considered, like, in the United States, like, a wilderness, gruff man-hero who you know was who hunted a bunch and explored the western land and uh you know nobody talks about like how horrible the hunting was for the environment because they didn't understand the like like there are more healthy hunting norms in the world now but like at the time it was just like hunting animals to extinction up the ass Um, yeah well and beyond that you know there's a lot of problematic stuff in early davy crockett stuff Um, exactly I watched an old Disneyland special with Davy Crockett in it, and oh, really? they, they, I mean, he, it's weird how times change, because this is in the 50s or 60s, right? And the Davy Crockett character is just, like, very proudly saying, oh, yeah, like, we're going to defeat the, you know, word for Native Americans. Like, not, 
not good stuff. Um, no. But that was, no. it, it was almost like they were treated like how we think about pirates in Pirates of the Caribbean nowadays. It was oh, yeah. this very common trope of, um, it, so I actually liked that they called um, the next one out, which I think you're going to talk about. Yeah, and the next one, the last one I was saving, is a huge painting in the dead center of the, of the shot of a, a Pacifica Northwest, or of a Northwest ancestor, uh, seemingly shaking their hands and making a deal with an indigenous American with their fingers crossed behind their back. Uh, the, the ancestor with their fingers crossed behind their back, of course. Probably implying something about, oh yeah, we're gonna make this nice deal with you. And then, I mean, history, if you all know how, what happened to the indigenous Americans historically, wasn't so good. Yeah, so that, that one, in fact, was probably the focal point of the frame. Definitely. Uh, and uh, I was like, man, yeah, your you're, Pacifica's parents are the worst. And now she's having to kind of come to grips with this. Um, and at that moment, she kind of says, Dipper, I'm sorry I lied to you. Like, I, just because I'm scared of my parents, that, you know, doesn't mean that it's right. Um, and he says that he's sorry about what he said. Uh, and just because she's her parents' daughter doesn't mean that she has to be like that. Uh, and he's right um, that, you know, there's an opportunity for her to sort of like pave her own path, even though it is hard and scary. Yeah. Uh, at that moment, they hear a sound. They run outside and everyone has now been turned to wood. And maybe it, actually this is the point where they see Maple, Candy, and Brenda. They may have not been turned to wood yet before that. Uh, I will and... also say right here, the ghost gives a line with this reveal. You are all wood! And I thought it was, I just wrote down, like, that's kind of a weak villain line, I'm not gonna lie. Like, <laughs> well, I totally missed that somehow. It just sounded really lame. I'm like, dang, dude, that was your Chernabog speech, huh? You're all wood? All right. Yeah, well, well done. <laughs> all right. And Dipper thinks, that's okay, I can take care of this again. He goes up, starts threatening the ghost with the journal, but in the middle of his threat, the ghost just strikes him right away. Turns dude. into wood seeing dipper turn into wood and him going no 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 somebody help somebody help and again he gets frozen with a scream even watching this knowing what happens i was like oh my god that's right dipper gets taken out pacifica you better you better step up yeah and it turns out that it is up to her so he the ghost says a forest of death, a lesson learned, and now the Northwest Manor will burn. Pacifica, as the only one left, says, Hey, Ugly, want me to let the townsfolk in? Because I'll do it. And he offers, he's like, yeah, pull the lever. That's what I want. And I'm so glad that he does that instead of going, no, don't, my plan is almost complete. Because it makes it so that the ghost isn't actually a villain. Right. He's like, all I want is uh, for you to open up this house to the townsfolk. All I want uh, is economic equality. If y'all see me hanging out a couple years after I'm dead, I'm going to be here for the same reason. <laughs> well, Pacifica's parents emerge from the floorboards and they say, no, don't do it. You will ruin our reputation if all of these, you know, hoodlums have to come into this house. And he rings the bell and you see that flinch again. You bring it, brings it back her like, and, and. You can, I, I like the symbol of the bell because it really does give you a sense of this, you know, this device really has a hold on her. And you, the way that you see her fight through it, it's done so well. It really makes yeah. you feel like she's overcoming something instead of just made an easy choice, you know? It does. And ultimately, 
you know, he, the, I, in fact, Mr. Northwest asks, he says, is this broken? Because it's not getting through to her the same way. And she says, our family name is broken and I'm going to fix it. And she pulls yeah. the lever. It's a great moment. Um, and it really does feel like Pacifica in some ways is redeemed as a character at this time. So townsfolk swarm the mansion. Uh, we get a great, get it, get it from yeah. Tyler Cute Biker. Perfect moment for it. Uh, and the ghost is so happy. He feels at peace, you know, and that's amazing. He's like, my heart was once hard and like some very hard example of wood that he gave. And then he's like, but now it grows soft, like more of a birch or something. And, uh, it was a good line. It is. And then he sort of like just dissipates off into the sunset. Now, uh, let me say why Dipper is such an awesome guy for all of these reasons. Dipper pretty much went through all of this to help every single other person than himself this whole time. That is a hundred percent true he never had any stake in this no he went to save his sisters he went to help pacifica and he even wanted to help the ghost crossover you're right he wanted all of those things for everybody Dang, that's such a good it. point like dude I, I, i'm just gonna say like i'm bringing up the points there's no way dipper doesn't get my points for that right like my top two go to him that is insane amazing actually i'm, I'm fine getting ahead of it who's your backup I'll say my backup with this perfect transition because you know, right here in the story, what else do we see? But all of the girls and what was that guy's name? Marius. Marius all thaw out, so to speak. And he walks up to Grenda and says, you're just so confident and I love it. And yeah. he gives her her, his phone number. She's like, I don't have a phone. Write it on my forehead. Uh, and I'm giving Grenda the, the point because wow. she was able to be herself. And I got to be honest, if you're somebody who doesn't fit the norm, even if it's not rich people, no matter what community of people you're hanging out in, if you do something in a different way and your own friends look at you like, oh, you're doing this kind of weird. We kind of want to step away. It's so hard for you to have the confidence to stand up for yourself and continue to be who you are. And I think that that should not be understated. And I really think that Grenda's incredible for for holding that true. Because, you know, with that, also with the parallel plot with Pacifica trying to learn that lesson as well. Yeah, it's so hard for me to go through this episode and not give points to Pacifica, though. Because I love the growth arc that we got from her. That's so, good just to kind of balance the scales, I'm going to give two to Pacifica and one to Dipper. Because I also think that Dipper was incredible in this episode. I think, and... I think Pacifica deserves it, I do. She, I can't help but... Still feel like, though, I'm glad she came to that point. Growth is important. But Grenda was there already. I see. No, I, I think that's a good point. Um, I think if we're going to give two points to Pacifica, though, or any points, like, this is the best episode to do it. I think I maybe totally gave great. one to her in the golf episode, too, because it was growth. This is hard, though. There were a lot of great characters in this episode. This is one where I would have loved to give the ghost a point or two. I know. I thought about giving the ghost a point, but I was like... I've given I've given a couple ghost points already, and maybe this one deserves it more than some of the ones we've given two points in the past. But part of that's relative to the other characters in the episode and how they did for us and stuff like that. So uh, I, I'm happy with these ones. A lot of people deserved it, though. This was just a great episode. No doubt. And I forgot to say the ghost's final line and just says, Pacifica, you aren't like the other Northwest. I feel lumber justice. And oh, yeah. I, I 
that's kind of a way of really uh, closing the book and say, there you go. There's your growth moment. And growth doesn't always happen that fast. We watch a lot of Steven Universe on our YouTube channel. And I think that an interesting point, that being such a long series, is that some of these characters, the growth is not as linear. And Gravity Falls does kind of have to rush through it in some ways in a two-season totally. two arc. But I, it does feel really organic. It doesn't necessarily feel rushed to me. And I feel very satisfied where that plot ends for Pacific. Totally. Player. Totally same here. Um, I, and also, I think that, like, I mean, this is season two. It's only a two-season show. Pacifica was, I think that that was slow growth. I think that I was impressed with how they paced that out, really. Uh, yeah, me too. Good pacing. Uh, so, now the entire townsfolk have swarmed the mansion. Um, Grenda takes Dipper the W. And, that's right. Dipper uh, says Pacifica's parents are missing out by not letting people in, because the party's great now. And uh, she True. does say she got expects her parents to lock everyone out again next year. And Dipper sort I like Dipper again in this moment because he doesn't even bother pushing back on that. He's not going to press the point. He's like, listen, you can't control everything. And he yeah. just says, hey, look what we're standing on. It's mud. Uh, and they yeah. kind of just start making a mess. And it's yeah, furthering this symbolism of, yeah, Pacifica deciding to, like, step out of this uh, wealth culture and try to ins into something that's a bit more fun and uh, yeah. natural and useful. Yeah. And I think that's a good moral, too, that it's not just going to be like this forever. It's like, no, rich people are still gatekeepy as heck, because that's the world we live in, everybody, and we have to fight it every day. Good luck. Have a nice one. All right. <laughs> this is definitely uh, the episode for you to uh, get all of that in there. Hey, look, if, if I get to complain about rich people making the world hell for poor people, I'm at least <laughs> going to try to do it on the episode where at least the thing that we're talking about is also trying to make that point. It is, and that is one million percent the intent of the creators here. So yeah. we can't say it's not. Uh, so this, uh, I guess, uh, Pacific even says, okay. Actually, though, I am gonna have to make sure this mess gets cleaned up. So I guess she goes to go look for help, and McGucket runs up and grabs Dipper. Yeah, He's and like, uh, introduces us to what the next few episodes we're gonna be talking about are like. That's right. He pretends to be manic, but then he grabs him for real and. We've, I, for a moment, I forgot that McGucket sort of did get his memories back recently yeah. and is coming to himself a little bit more. He's like, Dipper, I've been looking for you. I've been doing some calculations. Something is, something terrible's coming. And Dipper sort of says, you know what, man? It's a party. Let's talk about it tomorrow Let's and have some fun times today. Yeah, which I remember he said that and I was like, I'm really glad that they're doing that. That's a really nice way to just be like, dude, like, give it a break. Let's, let's just chill for a second. Yeah. Unfortunately, the stakes are really high. Yeah. It says that there's less than 21 hours till the apocalypse. So waiting till tomorrow cuts out at least like 10. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it says imminent threat on McGucket's uh, computer. So we also get an awesome camera move into a dark red tapestry with bill cypher in like a really like oh, dark hellish tone at a power angle shot too and that's how we end our episode and then we get a nice little uh we do get one out credit scene where yes. um we see two characters that were attending the party earlier were actually the secret agents that we've interacted in the past in disguise and they take off their, dis well, they partially take off their disguises and go into a closet to talk about what they've been seeing and how they're also tracking what McGucket is tracking. And then they just start having like an old married coupled argument, which sounded very funny. But like, you said you were going to bring this thing. You always do this. I always say that we're going to bring the thing and they start bickering. And then 
that girl walks in who's friends with Robbie. Oh wait, maybe even dating Robbie still. Yeah, Tamri. Tamri. Yeah. Tamri. yeah, that's right. Tammy is in uh, Steven Universe. Um, Tamri walks in and just goes, "Not even gonna ask." Closes the door. Yeah, because the one guy is in drag and the other one is just sort of like in a, um, I guess, Disguise-ish, a foreign diplomat guess. outfit is kind of what they're going for. Yeah, yeah, it it it, it was a good joke. Well, you know what's funny? When they were on the screen earlier and they were as part of this group of uh, party guests, I did think to myself, huh, I, these people look a little bit weird. I wonder if there's something to this. Um, like, I but I thought I would have to check the meta. I didn't think that they were actually going to, um, you know, do anything with it in the end credits. And I, I loved it. Yeah. I, I did notice their character designs, but I didn't think anything. And then at the end, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good touch. So yes, the government agents are still present, and it's a good time for them to be there because it seems like some stuff is going to go down in this next episode uh, coming up, and I cannot wait to get to it. Um, Well, we already did our points. We already went through the journal. Yes. Time to open up our journal? Yeah, let's open up journal four. Um, We've talked about ghosts before, so I thought it might be fun to talk about curses, and uh, the idea that somebody could issue a curse that ends up almost prophesizing something in the future uh to some degree and i'm definitely curious what you have to think about this one i have thoughts on this so i actually this is actually already a scientifically confirmed fact that curses do work and they are real um let me explain I took yeah you're generalizing but yes i know what you're gonna say i took a class when i was in my undergrad um which was uh witchcraft superstition and religion and we learned about how different metaphysical thing, well, we consider that metaphysical work around the world. And when I say work, I mean work and how it's very confusing for scientists here. So there were this anthrop- anthropologist that went to, um, I forgot where it was, but it was somewhere near Central Africa. And they were studying witch culture, right? And it might sound kind of weird, but there are witches and tribes and, you know, very different culture. You'd have to look into it to really get a taste and flavor for how different and complex it is. Um, But there are recorded things where you'll have witches curse people and the curses happen. Like they don't, it's hard to figure out what's happening, but there have been documented cases of a witch cursing a person to literal death and they actually will die. Um, They don't know how it works. The theory amongst a lot of the anthropologists is just that placebo and cultural um you know cultural um, framework framework is so powerful that if you're that convinced that something in your culture is doing something that it will create that reality for you which is pretty friggin wild um there are much like death is the most drastic case that i read but there are a lot more mild cases of people just um putting curses on people for having small abnormalities like uh you know sicknesses misfortune um and there's a lot of anthropological research about uh, how some of these things do come to be and how they're trying to figure out how it works. Yeah, um, I and I think that that even feeds into things that we see on an everyday basis where uh, it, I took a medical sociology class and, you know, yeah. there are instances oh. where people are able to almost uh, talk themselves into being sick if they're faking or believe it enough that they may actually be sick. It's the same kind of placebo effect. Where if somebody really genuinely believes that something is affecting them, we've seen, like, the placebo effect is as scientifically real as it gets, right? Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. 
you know, people are able to take medicines that genuinely cure them from real illnesses because of how seriously they believe uh, that they've been giving some, given something that is going to work. It is one of the great uh, mysteries, I think, and miracles of the human mind that something like that is possible. And it Absolutely. shows how powerful our bodies and our minds are. So am I saying that uh, somebody can issue a curse and it's going to cause something on a spiritual level? No, but I would give curses a 10 as far as the things that we've talked about yeah. in terms of realness because we've seen it happen. Yeah, curses do happen. What I will say is within that study, there were some Westerners that wondered if curses would work on them, and I think they didn't. Um, so being steeped in the cultural framework does actually have something to do with it from what the research seems that I studied six years ago. So keep that in mind also. Yeah, if not everything to do with it, right? It, yeah. People really are going to have to believe this with every fiber of their being to think that something can genuinely happen. And exactly. even to some degree, when people believe that good things are going to happen, those people are more likely to have good things happen to them versus the people who constantly expect bad things to happen. Also oh, scientifically totally. research now. That definitely comes with an element of privilege and, Absolutely. you know, you might be more likely to expect something good's going to happen because it is, because you are more well off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah. that research is definitely something to be taken with a grain of salt. But a pure curse, like, that's kind of next level. Yeah, that, that, that stuff is interesting. I, I wish I had more time to go back to school to research it more because I'm, like, really fascinated in it. And obviously, we're just so busy. I don't have time to learn more about it. But uh, if it's something that interests you guys, go give it some uh, some rabbit hole research. But make sure that you do your I – don't, I don't know if people know this, but I, I have I got my undergrad in philosophy. Knowing how to do good research is really important for you to not spread a bunch of things that aren't true, which you don't want to do. You don't want to be wrong and look silly, right? So yeah. use Google Scholar. Uh, look for multiple resources that confirm something if you think it's true and never repeat anything you hear on social media. Yeah, don't either repeat something you hear from us. Whether we have yeah, uh, social science degrees or not, like we are still going to get things wrong. Yeah, and yeah. Don't repeat us without checking first, at least. Right, exactly. Uh, so let's talk about some end credits uh, from this episode. Uh, what I think the end credit cipher that's happening during uh, the government agents speak um, is, did aliens write the Constitution? Crawdads and tiaras. And Florida, the show. Oh, but it starts off with, next up on UTBAHC. So it used to be the History Channel. So, sorry, let me reframe that so people know. These are programs that are in the fictional channel used to be on the history channel in the gravity falls universe yep. did aliens write the constitution crawdads and tiaras and florida the show hysterical hysterical that's just too funny that uh, joke was ahead of its time <laughs> it seriously was oh <laughs> having lived there um, it's even more of a show now oh my god the page section at the end of the episode translates to stan is not what he seems stan is not what he seems stan is not what he seems like Woo! put together like just in a string lovely um and also the word cursed is found on every other window on the top floor of the northwest mansion in this episode in in cypher form that's so creepy i love it i love yeah. it man i would never curse somebody because i don't want my soul to be bound here for an extra hundred years that sounds like a bummer but I, I, I gotta be honest, there'd be like, if I was dying and I had an ability to curse, I'd be curious to see if it would work. You know you what I know, mean? Want to know what's ironic? You have not cursed in this entire episode, and it is a record. You, no, I did I've curse. Not I noticed you miss it. Oh, no! Where? I don't remember I said the F word, though. Luke! Ah! 
I thought I was not gonna have to edit a single thing. Okay, you I know think what? I said another one too, actually. Well, you know what? People have been listening long enough that if it sneaks in there, I apologize. But I'm like, <laughs> I didn't take the timestamp. I am not going to bother looking for it. I think it had something to do with eating the rich, but I don't remember. I feel like that's where I'd slip it in. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, I'm wrong again. Uh, <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network. Uh, lots of other shows and movies in their feed, so make sure to check that out. Uh, also, Lou and I are on Jester Bros Cartoon Theater on YouTube, like I mentioned before. I really recommend checking out the Discord if you're into this, because there's great discussion to be had about Gravity Falls, Gravity Bros, and animation in general. Um, so we have links in the description for that, as well as our social media links. Also, uh, if you are still listening, um, just giving the podcast five stars wherever you listen to it, or writing a review, is the one way that you can help us for free, and we really do appreciate it. So, uh, thanks to Scarborough for the cover art. We'll see y'all next week, or in two weeks. Happy sleeping. Later, everybody. Thanks so much.